Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. CLNS's Patriots coverage is powered by our exclusive wagering partners at betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome bonus. In Patriots postgame show, Evan Lazar, hot off the presses, just printed his game recap, published his game recap, I should say. Uh, check that out on clnsmedia.com. Uh, but uh, we're going to chat about it here. Uh, Patriots... Uh, 35 nothing over the Eagles. And again, the obvious caveat to this game is, um, you know, and you have this sometimes when you get these uh, weeks of practices against another team, some sure. teams opt to put all of their eggs into the practice basket and then don't really play their guys. And that's kind of what Philly did tonight. So we have to preface a lot of what we say, which is Patriots didn't see a lot of ones tonight, uh, right. which, is, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, so I'll ask Obviously, when they did play, they dominated every aspect and every facet of the game uh, against whatever Philly put out there, which is certainly encouraging. And we'll talk about Cam. We'll talk about Mac. We'll talk about all of that. But just my first question to you is, did you take more out of this game tonight or the or the joint practices which you attended in Philly in terms of getting to know what this team is about? That's a good question. I would say that you have to put more stock in the joint practices because the players at the Patriots, both quarterbacks, I'm not just talking about Cam, right? Cam and Mac went up against some of the real depth players of the Eagles out there tonight. There was no Fletcher Cox. There was no Brandon Graham. There was no Darius Slay in the secondary for Philadelphia tonight. These were all guys that were threes, uh, fours. Some of them were twos that went up against Cam Newton in the starting offense. But I would put more stock in terms of the long-term effect of this team in the two joint practices over what we saw tonight. But that doesn't mean that we just have to sit here and and scrap the rest of the show and just throw everything no, out. No, not, not one bit. It's just it's it's worth discussing because, you know, yeah. there was a bit of chatter about that on Twitter, which was, you know, while the Eagles did dominate the two days, I mean, certainly dominated day one by your account. Second one was a little bit closer, but it looked like they got yeah. the better of the Patriots in a lot of the 11-on-11s when it was, t- you know, first-teamers versus first-teamers. But the same thing we were making the argument over on the Celtics channel about the uh, – uh, Vegas league. Yeah. Great. Great. It's Vegas league, but you still want to see your stars dominate. You want to see Pritchard and Neesmith, play. so you want to see cam and Mac play well. And that's what happened tonight. Um, And so now, you know, moving the discussion to where inevitably it's going to go. uh, You had good days, good nights from both cam and Mac uh, tonight. Um, I, I don't know off of tonight. Do you see the, the, the needle moving in one direction or another in the quarterback battle? This looks like a hold for Cam, I would say. I would I would say it's been a hold for Cam all week long for the most part. And I've sort of been on the record saying that a hold for Cam is almost a win for Mac because if the veteran quarterback is just kind of holding ground against the rookie and not making real strides to outplay the rookie, then maybe the rookie is closer, right? Maybe the rookie is closer than further away, if that makes sense now. Cam, I I really thought was extremely impressive tonight. And I want to give him his due because he played very, very well. And we talked about the starters not playing tonight for Philadelphia. But I think the key thing that you saw out of Cam, and they talked about it a lot on the broadcast as well, was the process, right? Regardless of who you're going up against, you have to have clean process and you have to show out on tape that you have the kind of the things down that you need to have down in order to execute against better competition. So when you look at what Cam did out there tonight, Cam 
his footwork, his rhythm, his accuracy, his ability to go through his reads. But most importantly, if you watch how his feet aligned with the throws that he was making down the field and his ability to navigate the pocket, step up around the rush, make things happen with his eyes down the field and sort of feel the pressure. I think over the last year or so, and even against Washington, look, Chase Young beat Isaiah Wynn on that play. That's on Isaiah Wynn. That's not necessarily on camp, but we've seen in the past last year and maybe at times last week even just a tiny little bit that cam is not always the best at sensing pressure when his eyes are down the field tonight he moved around the pocket extremely well the throw that really stood out to me was the one to kendrick Bourne, the 23 yarder. the touchdown to myers was nice but that's a first read throw myers is his first uh option no, on that play the drive that. that's the drive that stalled with those three throws, those were the best three of the best throws and the best series of throws we've seen Newton make. Certainly, you might even say through all of camp, uh, you know, and dating back to last year in terms of all of the stuff you mentioned, one of them was even to the right side of the field, which you don't right. see him doing very often. So that stretch there, which didn't result in points, was actually that the best those those three throws on that drive where they ended up not getting points on the Nordine missed field goal might have been their his best three throws. I thought the 23-yarder to Bourne was one of the better throws that we've seen from Cam maybe since week two in Seattle of last year, right? The ability there, he sees the two high safeties pre-snap, and then the safety to his left is going to rotate in and buzz into the box. And when he buzzes into the box, he knows he's got single high with the crosser coming across or the dig route coming across from Kendrick Bourne. And as soon as that safety rotates down, the running back picks him up, right? The the safety kind of goes and gravitates towards the release of the back out of the backfield and that opens up the window to Kendrick Bourne and you see Cam start on the left side look the safety down to the running back then come back into the middle of the field and throw the dart to Bourne over the middle that's a second read throw or maybe a first read throw that Cam was manipulating the coverage on to get to that Bourne dig and I you know we would have to know the playbook and know the call to know exactly what read in the progression it was but the process there was exactly what you were looking for from Kendrick Bourne and Cam Newton and that was a great throw right there from Cam if you watch his feet and watch his head and watch how he looks left pulls the coverage that way then comes back over the middle and darts it to Bourne that that type of throw if they can if he can consistently string those types of plays together at practice and then also in the games obviously as well then that's the type of throw that definitely sits you has you sit here after the game and say if that Cam Newton shows up, then the Patriots are going to play him, right? That that Cam Newton is going to win this job and keep this job, at least for the time being. If the Cam that we've seen in the past comes back where his footwork is a little bit sloppy or he's not getting through the progression like he was tonight, then that is the Cam that is going to lose out to Mac Jones. So Cam tonight, especially that throw to Bourne, I thought was that was, that was as good as it gets for Cam Newton. So, again – now, what you have is, and this is where the conversation gets interesting, by all accounts, and you have a huge, and you know, you see it in the chat, and you see it on Twitter, oh, there's, yeah. a, there's obviously a big pull to get to for Mac to be the guy, and I understand why, right. because he's got the high, the higher ceiling, you would think, we've seen, and everyone has seen a year of Cam, so you've seen, as you said, when he, when the footwork gets sloppy, or when he, you know, can't sense the pressure, and you've seen those things that, you know, seem to limit you know, how far the Patriots could theoretically go, uh, even when Cam is playing at this level. So he plays well, and then and then Mac comes in, I, and, you know, you'll have your opinion on this. Everyone will have their opinion there. For, for, for my money, Mac was better, and not because he – because anything Cam did wrong, but again, it's the same thing we talked about with last week, which is running the offense, going through the reads, the progressions, all of those things. You know, I mean, I I, I know you probably lit up there and you were saying it on Twitter, but that little jukey in the pocket move where he ducks out of the pressure and hits Gunner with that dart showed right. off one Brady like pocket presence that I know made everybody's eyes pop. And then two, uh, a good bit of zip on a ball um, where people were questioning his arm strength a little bit after watching him float a couple last week. In addition to that, another incredible deep ball, maybe even better than the ball to Wilkerson that he threw to Harry, which Harry dropped. We'll get to Harry in a little bit, but 
he, you know, it wasn't captain checkdown like last week. He threw the ball. I think it was six, six throws. He was four of six trying to get the ball 10 yards downfield or more. So, yeah. you know, he did try to, you know, uh, try to open up. But I, I, again, I understand it was against twos and threes where Cam was kind of ones and twos. But again, everything you see from Mac seems like he's getting it. And again, they're throwing a ton at him. And nothing about tonight made you think he's not ready for kind of what the NFL is about. So the two things that I see most consistently that I love out of Mac, and I think that a lot of us love the obvious stuff, right? The quick processing, the accuracy, yeah, yeah. all those types of things. The first thing that really stands out to me when Mac comes in the game, whether it's in practice or in these preseason games, is the pace of the offense when he's under center. The offense moves faster when he is in the game and the offense can get into that. No huddle can get into some empty stuff, can get into some spread stuff and just move down the field really, really quickly. That 17 play drive that went 91 yards of the Patriots were, went on that first yeah. series for Mac Jones. It was a 17 play drive that didn't feel like a 17 play drive. And then the drive to open the, it was yeah. right. And then the drive to open the third quarter was a no huddle drive where Mac is literally what were 15 training camp practices and two preseason games in and Mac Jones is calling his own plays at the line of scrimmage and he's a rookie and he's going up to the line and he's saying you go over there you go over here he's holding up the play because Gunnar Olszewski for who was taking a piss or something like that and forgot to get out on the field after halftime and he's literally running the offense at the line of scrimmage by himself. Right. Right. And that is just, it's really impressive for a guy that's a couple of months into his NFL career. The throw that really stood out to me, well, the first one was the one to Nikhil Harry early on that third and 13. Right. Where, yeah. And, and you talk about accuracy. against the zone, Harry comes back, sits down, he makes right. the throw. Right. Yep. Again, and you talk about accuracy and you talk about decision making. Those things are obviously necessary foundations. But watch Mac Jones's shoulders on that play because what he does is he kind of gives a little shoulder fake like this to the defense, like he's going to throw it outside the numbers. And that just pulls the outside zone defender that's sitting on Harry's outside hip out of the throwing lane just enough for him to put that ball there, right? And and those little subtle movements in the pocket and the little subtle shoulder fakes and pump fakes and things like that that Mac Jones did at Alabama, he now is doing them here in the league. And those types of things just are really, really good quarterback play, right? It's just they're little, little subtle things, and and it really makes a big difference between the way that the defense is going to play. It manipulates the defense down the field. The other throw that really stood out was the one to Gunner, the first one to Gunner, I believe it was. He has Devin Ross coming on the shallow dig route. Gunner runs the deep dig. It's a levels concept right behind it. And he, again, looks left, pulls the defense over there, comes back to his right, sees that the underneath coverage is clearing out with Devin Ross's route and zings it to Gunner right up the middle. Those types of plays and the process in which he runs that uh, type of offense is just for a guy that has basically been in this system for a couple of months, it's extremely impressive. And, so, and, and that's why I get to the point where I get to with these two quarterbacks is Cam played very, very well tonight. There's no denying that. And this version of Cam Newton is a solid NFL quarterback. But if Mac Jones is doing these types of things already in August of his rookie preseason and his rookie training camp, what is Mac Jones going to look like in two months? What's he going to look like in four months? What's he going to look like in year two? Those are the types of things that yeah. are really going to stand out, I think, to Patriots fans. Is this guy is just going to keep getting better and better. That's what you – I mean, again, you hope. So, again, everyone wants to figure out who's the week one starter. you know. But you are looking at things – You know, you're, you're trying to look not just at week one. You're trying to look, as you said – two years down the road, three years down the road. Like, did you get something in this guy? Like, is this, did you draft a guy who's Jimmy Garoppolo or did you draft a guy, you know, who's the next Garoppolo or do you draft a guy who's the next, you know, fifth starter for 15 years? It's, right. I, I'm not saying Brady cause it's stupid, but um, 
you know, did you draft something real? And so you get these glimpses, which makes you feel better. And I, I know a lot of Patriots fans probably, you know, and I, you know, myself included, were experiencing a lot of, you know, Justin Fields envy, uh, you know, over the uh, over the weekend, seeing him go and ball out. Don't even and, get me started. I both, was on the Justin Fields train both, all draft season. I both don't you and I, both <laughs> you and I were heavy, heavy, heavy into Fields. And I remember we were doing our draft show, and when it was, it looked like it was possible that they were going to pounce. We were yeah. up here, and when they didn't, you know, we were down here. So, you know, we saw it, and again, you know, I, I, I am still, you know, dubious a little bit by Max' physical limitations because he has to be so good at all of the things you mentioned in order to be successful, but so so far you're seeing it. And, you know, uh, that's kind of what the, the – that's the name of the game. You know, all of the things that Max has been doing – is all you can expect from him to do. I, I actually thought a really interesting, um, yeah, Curran wrote, uh, Tom Curran wrote an interesting uh, angle on, on the story, which is it's not Mac versus Cam, but it's Mac versus Mac. At this point, you're seeing, you're throwing everything you can at the guy to see, is he ready? I mean, they're trying, there's no question here. They're trying to mi- not make him the starter to see if he can be the starter. Um, it's Their mind is not made up. It's not a, we'll ease the rookie in. They're literally there he's getting a pop quiz every single day to see whether or not he can right. pass it. And he keeps doing it to, to a degree or he's well, not. That's, what those, yeah. that's what those no huddle drives are about. Those are two minute drives, right? Yeah. They're, they're trying to simulate. That's what Bill Belichick said after the Washington game, when people, uh, a reporter asked him why the no huddle right out of the half. And he said, well, we were trying to simulate a two minute drill, right? We wanted to see what Mac looks like in those scenarios. So third downs, two minutes, red area, those are the types of areas of the field and the types of kind of options of the game, right? A bit, you know, times of the game that the Patriots want to see which quarterback rises, right? Because every QB that's worth a damn can throw, make a good first and 10 throw, right? Especially that first drive of the game when you're on script, both Mac and Cam, then when they've been practicing a couple of series of passing concepts all week long and they call them against the right defense, it always looks good right? And what happens later on in the game after you get off the opening script and you're third and eight and you need nine yards, who looks better in that situation? When it's the fourth quarter and there's 159 left and you're down by six and you need a touchdown to win the game, who looks better in those situations? Those are the types of scenarios that in practice and in these preseason games that the Patriots coaching staff tries to create for these quarterbacks as much as possible. And that's why on day two of joint practices against the Eagles, both teams worked heavily in the red zone almost exclusively was because they want to see how their QBs and how their defenses and how their offenses work in the red area. So Cam to me tonight did absolutely everything he needed to do to solidify his spot as the week one starter. And I, I'm not coming off the fact that I've said all along, I know people think I, I hate Cam. I've said all along that Cam is going to start week one. And I think Mike Lombardi, uh, he said it on his podcast today, yeah. made the best point about this whole thing. Once you go to Mac, you can't go back. Right. You can't you can't put the rookie in. And then if he stinks for three weeks, put it put the veteran back in the lineup because then the rookie's confidence just torpedoes downward. Right. So the best thing to do for the Patriots has always been always to slow play this. Right. And to wait the first month, wait the first six weeks, whatever it has to be to put Mac into the starting lineup and to make him the quarterback. And Cam is going to start week one. Cam has played well enough in camp and tonight to start in week one. But ultimately, you see what Mac is going to become and where Mac is going, and you have to like that a lot too. Well, and and, and, and again, when you're talking about Lombardi, obviously his kid – um, you know, works for the Patriots. So, yeah, and he was uh, out there talking to Bill at practice on uh, Tuesday, I think it was. For so he's out there. An yeah. hour. Right. He's got Bill's ear, so you wonder how much of that is his opinion and how much does he kind of have, right. a, a, uh, you know, uh, some inside, uh, inside info there. Uh, and it does make sense. It is hard to go back. What I'll counter with, and what I said last week too, is um, if, if you know it's happening, if it's inevitable, um, it is – going to be rough anyway uh, and abrupt when every single week you're looking for an excuse or fans are or media are. And again, yeah. this stuff doesn't bother Bill, but 
that stuff seeps into the locker room where it's all, uh, well, is it time for Mac now? One bad throw, second quarter in, bench him, bring in Mac at, at the half. I mean, last year people, it, I mean, last year people are crying for friggin' Jared Stidham, you know, and, right. that, and he wasn't the answer there. When you know you've got a Porsche in the garage, you know, it's like, can I, can we take this thing out for a ride or not? And that's going to, that stuff is going to come up early and often if Cam goes out and struggles. Of course, Cam goes out and plays well then you just live with it. But I, I don't see a world in which they don't insert Mac into the starting lineup uh, as QB1 at some point during the season. So I, I don't know what waiting does for you there. Um, I, I really don't know, particularly because they do like to use those first four games as kind of like a preseason. At that point, it would make sense to say, here you go, four, four weeks, figure it out. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I I, I really am. Uh, I'm really am torn here. I'm still leaning towards Mac as the starter, um, even though I think all conventional wisdom is saying it's going to be Cam. Yeah, it's a tough decision to make because, again, I do think that you have to put a lot of stock in the practices that you saw against the Eagles, and both quarterbacks did struggle at times in both those cor- in those practices, and and the reason for Mac that maybe you have some hesitancy right starting him right away is in those practices they really saw Mac kind of put the ball up for grabs a couple of times right on Monday he threw two deep balls right into coverage and put the ball up for grabs then on Tuesday he threw an interception to Devin Asiasi and red zone work so you worry about those types of plays where he kind of forces it a little bit and you kind of you want to see a little bit less of that before you put him in the lineup but at the same time I I don't know. I, I think that Cam has these moments like he did tonight, eight of nine, super sharp, looks fantastic. And then the next day he'll come out and he, he won't look as good, right? And, and he'll he'll look a little bit more like he did last year. And I thought in Monday and Tuesday, not as much Tuesday, but certainly Monday, that was a day where, where Cam looked a lot like 2020 Cam. And, and that's yeah. sort of what worries you about going with him as well. Yeah. And again, uh, for those out there who don't know, Evan was down there in Philly checking out the practices. He's been at every single uh, training camp practice, save for one, but that's okay. We'll give you a pass. Um, it, it was a shells day. All right. <laughs> it, it, was, yeah, it was, it was a lazy Sunday. Um, yeah. But the, um, the, this is minor, but the, you know, the, the Cam, the Mac uh, knee brace thing. Um, it was a sleeve. And then today it looked like a slightly more substantial brace. And then he slid and he, um, you know, got a little, looked a little hobbled getting up. Um, obviously, you know, you're not getting anything out of the Patriots when it comes to injury information, but um, that's not great. Um, you know, whatever's there, it didn't seem to hinder him the rest of the game. So I guess it wasn't bad, but, um, looks like he's definitely dealing. That doesn't look preventative as, as he, as he had said at the beginning of the yeah, year, if it's preventative. I, I don't know. It, he because did. That's, hit, that's, hit. That's, that was the line they get. He gave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's not right. Shocking. Uh, on yeah. last Thursday against Washington, he did take a, a low hit to that front leg and that's that front plant leg for the uh, right-handed quarterback that, I, I, I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx the kid, but you, you, that's the leg, right? That's the leg that when you step into the throw and that's the leg that's exposed, that's out there. So that's a, a risky leg for all quarterbacks, especially guys like Mac who are pocket QBs that want to be able to step up into the pocket and make those types of throws down the field. So you do worry about that front leg with all those types of QBs, whether it's Tom Brady or it's Mac Jones or it's uh, Peyton Manning all those years or whoever the, the stationary quarterback is, that's going to kind of just stay in his six by six box in the pocket and make those throws. That lead leg is certainly something that you always are concerned about. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, it's going to happen from now until uh, certainly week one and then probably beyond. Uh, almost every conversation is going to start off with uh, Cam versus Mac. Yeah. But we definitely want to run through some other things that we saw here um, that we liked. Um, so uh, among them, uh, I certainly on the first team side, I, I'm finding it hard to believe that Jacoby Myers isn't going to be the most productive receiver on the Patriots this year, um, which is amazing. But uh, just continuing what we see from him, um, he just looks like their most consistent guy. Uh, 
And again, I know we just saw Aguilar for the first time in game action here, and he's been a little limited. But, uh, you know, Bourne, all right, maybe some drops issues. Myers is continuing to do what Myers does. I can't see him going away, even though they they spent all this money in the offseason. I could still see him being a guy who theoretically could lead the team in receptions. Jacoby Myers is a quiet assassin. That's what I call yeah. him because Kendrick Bourne and and not this isn't to say that there's anything wrong with Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar's practice habits. Let's just call them right. But those guys are pretty demonstrative, right? They're outward. They you see it, especially Kendrick Bourne. He is a he's a guy that likes to feel himself. And, right? and he and he and Cam have a have a have a have a good yeah, rapport. They like to dance. They like to chat. They like and, to and their pals. Yeah, talk. yeah. They they are loud practice players. Jacoby Myers is quiet and he's quiet with his feet too, which is what makes him so good as a receiver as though his feet are as quick and his ability to set up his routes from start to finish really. And we saw it in practice a lot against the Eagles, the route releases on the outside for Myers have gotten a lot better as well, but the inside stuff that, you know, like the crossing route that he caught for the touchdown tonight, just his ability to get up on the defender and snap those routes off. And even though the defender knows that Jacoby Myers is cutting across the field, he still can't stop it. It's it's incredible, and he, it's not like he has four three speed where the defender has to respect the vertical route. Right? It's just he's so quick and efficient with his footwork and with his steps at the top of the route that even when everybody knows he's breaking it inside, he's still able to do it effectively. And I I, I got to agree with scouts. Keenan Allen is he's got a little bit of Keenan Allen vibe. Right? That's not a bad. I like that one. That's not that's a bad one at all. That's my jobs, but I I don't hate it. I don't hate the comparison. I they they ran similar times in the forty. They have similar skill sets. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see if he develops. No, but I like that. Man. That's the first time I've heard that. That's why I put it up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a not a terrible comparison because the thing that really always stuns me with Jacoby Myers is that when you watch defensive backs cover him, they look a lot more worried about his speed vertically than the 40 would suggest, right? He runs a four, six and you wouldn't think that anybody would be worried about him going by you. And he says in press conferences that, no, I'm not going to run by people. That's not my game. Right. But yeah, when you watch DBs play him, they're backpedaling all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I just really don't understand it. And no one has really adjusted or figured out a way to stop him. And his three-step slant is extremely effective. Obviously, he runs the over routes or the crossers. Learn those from Julian Edelman. He's extremely effective at those as well. And he is the quiet assassin out at practice. He just all he does is catch catch balls. That's it. He doesn't do he doesn't trash talk. He doesn't talk. He doesn't go out there and dance. He doesn't go out there and do anything that attracts your eye, really. And then you look at your sheet, your notes after practice every single day, and you say, wow. Jacoby Myers caught six catches in 11 on 11 today, right? Like, you know, it's just one of those things that afterwards you just always realize that he's the guy and he's a machine. He's a machine. Yeah, he's a really machine, and he's going to be playing exclusively inside here. So, um, you know, I don't think you have anything to worry about in terms of, you know, being miscast or having to play on the outside because they're short bodies here. I think that's going to make sense. I mean, I think he'll play all over the formation, but he's going to do most of his damage running those in, you know, those in cuts and all of those things that he's so good at. Um, Again, it's impossible to not have a show without talking about Nikhil Harry. And I, I, I don't, we don't know what his injury is. Um, I'd say, you know, clavicle AC separation. Those would be the bad ones. Um, I thought he, I, I thought he concussed himself just based the way he was laying on the ground. He looked a little stiff. Sure. Uh, and so, but he could have done that and hurt a shoulder too. He was pretty rocked getting up. Uh, but I, I don't know if we're ever going to see him in a Patriots uniform again. I, I that, that might have been the last, the last thing we see Nikhil Harry do. Uh, you hope he's not hurt because you're not, you know, you don't want to see anything bad. He was having a good camp. It's the second game in a row. You're okay. You know, last last game he played well into the third quarter before he saw his first target. So whatever was going on with those stacked practices or he was playing well didn't translate to the game. And here you had that nice, you know, that catch on that third down uh, with Cam, uh, you know, early in the game. And then Mac throws a and everybody knows what we're talking about, throws a freaking dime that just I don't want to 
heap on the guy who's, you know, you know, hurt and might have suffered a serious injury. But sure. it was just classic feet for hands, Harry, you know, and, and not having the body control down the field. No, absolutely no reason to leave his feet there. He should just run right under that ball. It's right in his mitts. And that's a walk-in touchdown. And instead, he muffs it, falls awkwardly, slams his you know shoulder and his head against the turf. He's hurt. He's out. Uh, just a rough. I you know I I you know I just don't know. As soon as you start to, as soon as he starts to build that positive momentum, something like this happens. So I I don't know. Well you know we'll get more details maybe later tonight or tomorrow. But this was this was a rough one for him. A microcosm of his career with the Patriots is what I wrote it because yep. when you watch the route, he runs he a great route. Runs a great route, gets right. clear, gets separation, right. which he never gets. Right. He runs right by Zach McPherson. He's able to kind of stem it towards Zach McPherson, runs right by him, uses the arm bar to get his hands out of the way and clear his body and explodes right by the DB. And you see that and you're like, that's the player that we've seen out at practice some of the time, right? Is, is a guy that can go out there and actually explode and get over the top of the defense a little bit. And he does absolutely everything. And then he drops the pass. Should, like you said, doesn't need to die for it, right? Just run right underneath it and keep running and run. And you just walk right into the end zone. Instead, he makes it 10 times harder on himself. Typical Nikhil Harry drops the ball lands on his shoulder and now he who knows how serious this injury is hopefully it's not serious but who knows right and that's just the Nikhil Harry experience the should have had it almost had it could have had it should have would have could have right that that's just been Nikhil Harry his entire career and I'm someone that continues to try to believe in the guy and I've hyped him up a little bit in some of these training camp practices and I've written that he's looked better and I've looked, written that he's looked more explosive and more confident and more decisive in his moves. But then he come out here in these games and it just doesn't click for him. It just, he just gets in his own way. He shoots himself in the foot and right. here we are. And now, and now he might be injured. And if that's a serious injury, if it's a separated shoulder or a fracture collarbone or something like that, uh, I'm guessing, and I shouldn't be doing that, but let's say that it is, who knows? That's, that's right. the season. You know, that, that's that it. Could be it. It could be it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that. And I mean, again, you know, where, I mean, where where is he right now? He's battling for the fourth receiver slot. You know, uh, uh, you know, and I, you know, there's people who are theoretically pressing. You know, uh, that he could be competing with there. Uh, I mean, I think he would have been safe in that spot unless they worked out a trade. But um, you know, this 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 hurts him. And if he misses any time, uh, you know, you know, if he's got to start, Luckily, you know. I mean, it just it's just so tough because he finally seems like he's coming on and this afternoon I finally got a hold of the coach's film from last week and he goes out there last week and only gets one target for four yards gets killed by everybody again for not showing up and then you look at the tape and you see a guy that did get open a little bit and did create some separation and ran some good routes but the ball just didn't really find him and then this game tonight, he finally gets the target from Mac Jones on the 19-yarder, and he gets another target from Mac later on. And and you're just waiting and hoping that he's just going to make the play. And for, even if he dives and just makes the catch and gets back up and has a huge gain and doesn't, yeah, yeah he might have been able to score if he stays on his feet, but who cares if he doesn't, right? Yeah. And, and to a degree, and it just seems like Nikhil Harry always needs to go about it the hardest way possible. It could just never be easy for Nikhil. Yeah. The, uh, this is kind of mean, but it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good comment there. Um, pretty mean. Uh, so pour one out for Harry, pour one out yeah. for Nordine, uh, after tonight, um, uh. rough game, rough game for the, kicker for sure uh, i don't want to get too too much into that because what are we are, what's what's the folk situation here he's supposed to be back at some so, point the scary thing that i'm hearing about the nick folk thing is that there are some whispers that this is could be a potential steven gaskowski type of situation right where a veteran kicker it's it's with his back from what i understand which is something that carried over from last year and he's had a bad back for a couple of years now right it's just a, an agent kicker that's getting up there 36 years old the back has been a concern and 
the thing that you see with Nordine tonight, and Alex and I have talked about this on the podcast a ton, and people have come after us about it, about how we weren't ready to, to say that Quinn Nordine was gonna was gonna make the roster and be the kicker. And the reason being was because what I had heard talking to people down in Michigan about Quinn Nordine, because I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I'm a kicker scout and I have any idea about kicking mechanics. So I, I was talking to some people down at Michigan, and what they said was that Quinn Nordine gets on a heater, right? He gets on these hot streaks where he can't miss and he's making these 60 yard field goals. And you honestly sit there and say to yourself, this might be the greatest kicker I've ever seen, right? You're you're this guy that can hit from 60 yards right down the middle consistently. And then all of a sudden one day he shows up to practice or he shows up to a game and he can't, he can't hit anything, right? The accurate, the ball's just flying all over the place, which is what we saw tonight, especially on that last extra point where he just completely botched it, right? So that's what you worry about with a guy like Nordine is that he's got very, very high highs and very, very low lows, and it comes and goes for him. He's extremely inconsistent. And if you're the Patriots, you have to go favor the consistent kicker and folk was money consistency last year for them. So if he's good to go and he's healthy, then I definitely think that Nick folk is going to be the for the Patriots this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for sure, as long as he's, you know, ready to come back, which is why I'm not overreacting to Nordine being, but you've a rookie, an inconsistent rookie kicker is something you can't have. And the Patriots won't have, they'll, they'll take the guy They'll take the guy whose range is capped at 48, you know, as long as they know that he's going to hit all of his extra points and all of his 35 yarders. Uh, there's no question about it. So this, this, and then a miss last week, definitely, um, you know, definitely doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't bode well for him. So you hope folk comes back uh, cleaning up the pieces here. Uh, you know, a couple of other things, the, the, the running back shuffle, I know that was, uh, you know, it's interesting here. It's, it's really hard to guess. I mean, you know, the one thing we can say is that, you know, if you're if you're doing fantasy, I don't know that you want stock in any of the Patriots running backs right now, because this looks like it's going to be a complete uh, committee, you know, uh, in, approach just to the way they run it, because they have a lot of capable guys. Uh, I guess the two things I want to ask is last week, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, we talked him up a little bit. He had a good game and you were. Yeah, you were you were not very bullish on him uh, making a year one impact. Um, after watching him again tonight, does it change your opinion a little bit? I saw you tweet a couple times just about you know his impressive footwork and just the way he he is he's an impressive guy. Very impressive runner. His lateral yeah. agility or jump cuts or whatever you really want great. to call it. His ability to go side to side for a big dude. 231 pound running back yeah. that's out there making guys miss in a phone booth. That's pretty rare, right? To have those types of footwork and that type of skill. And the guy that everybody kind of compares him to is LeGarrette Blunt, but I think he's got a way more wiggle. Way more him. wiggle. Than Legarrette Blunt, he's not as big as Legarrette. He doesn't run people over quite as hard as Legarrette could. Maybe not quite the level of breakaway speed for yeah, a guy. Legarrette was fast. Legarrette was fast. He just took it took him a little while to get going. Uh, right. Once once he got ahead of steam, he could he could bust it. He had he had good straight line speed. He was just kind of slow to get started, but uh, Stevenson has way more wiggle. Way more wiggle. His, his jump cut ability at 231 pounds is rare. Like yeah. You shouldn't see a running back that size be able to make guys miss. The one run that I put in my post of his was the one where it was a crack toss. They toss it out to him, and he juked out two guys in quick succession, right? And when you talk about like the three-cone drill, for example, the reason why they do the three-cone drill is to study whether or not guys can cut in quick sequences multiple cuts in a row right can you make two three four moves in a row and stack those moves together when you stack those moves together as a running back most of the time running backs that do that are you know Saquon Barkley right who's 210 215 pounds maybe he's 220 I, I don't know I have to look up Saquon's weight but he's 15 20 pounds lighter than a guy like Ramondre Stevenson now Stevenson doesn't have all the tools that Saquon does but his ability to be able to make those types of lateral moves of those jump cuts at that size is extremely impressive. Now the fumble, forget about it. It's over, right? He's, I, I, I don't and think he's, and he got back on the field too. So, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't go right to the doghouse, which is fine. Right, He did get back right on the field. It is preseason, right? So you're not exactly going to put, 
let's say Sony Michelle or Damian Harris back into the game, right? You're you're not going to do that. I probably shouldn't have used Saquon as a as an example. He's a freak. So uh, I'll come up with a different one than that one next time. But back to Ramondre, I the fumble is going to be costly. I think I I just they redshirt guys so easily anyways without that position, and then you go out there and you fumble, and that was the one concern. Other than maybe a little bit of durability last year at Oklahoma, but the one concern that carried over in college that you heard about that you worried about with Ramondre Stevenson was fumbling. He had ball security issues in college. Now he fumbles in his second game as a Patriot in the preseason. If Damian Harris and Sony Michelle are both healthy, then Ramondre Stevenson is not going to see the field. As great as he's looked, he's looked fantastic. Uh, both weeks, he's looked good in practice. I would be absolutely stunned if he sees the field unless they desperately need to put him out there. All right, so you're still sticking with it that he's not out there. Now I'm going to throw the wild card. It's, it's not it fumbles. It's really nothing against him, right? It's fumbles. And the fact that Damian Harris and Sony Michelle are both very good backs as well, right? And he's he's the rookie that's going to have to earn the stripes. And I just once you start fumbling in the preseason, I that's Bill Belichick's kryptonite, right? You just you can't do it. You can't do it, especially as a rookie running back. Well, the one thing I'll one uh, I, I'm not going to say I okay. You always look at surprise cuts. Or you don't know quite how things are going to shake out. Um, sure. So one thing we've seen, I, you know, and you might poo-poo this right away because this is a, you know, sacred cow on the Patriots and nobody thinks, that, you know, that it seems like an untouchable type player. But is there any chance James White's job is in jeopardy here? No. Uh, you don't think any chance? Because I, I would say there's a better chance of Sony Michelle getting well, crazy. So that's why I want to going anywhere. I, I know people have talked about Sony as a possible trade. You see like the Rams obviously uh, would right. be a team that has definitely been mentioned as a, as a possible destination when they lost Cam Akers. They've only got Henderson and nothing really behind it. Uh, Malcolm Brown is gone too, right? So there, that's a team. There's a couple teams that could theoretically have holes. You could have other injuries in the preseason. So Sony trade makes sense because he would appear to be a redundancy if Damian Harris is your early down back. However, this iteration of Sony Michelle catches passes like the guy we thought they drafted when he came out of college. And it kind of changes, uh, you know, his value and his role theoretically, if you can use him uh, in this capacity, he's got, he's looks like he's running with a little bit more purpose and, and burst. I, I haven't seen, you know, white had a rough year last year. Uh, you know, I know again, he is that guy and he does everything you need him to do, but you know, you wonder at what point he just, the, there's no gas left in the tank there. And I'm not saying we've seen it so yet. The concern, the concern that you have with, with James White going anywhere is as much as I've been impressed with J.J. Taylor in the games, not so much And I much know Taylor's practices. another guy who people who people say is a cheaper, easier version of White. That so you, you don't – James White last year, even in a down year last year, played 43% of the snaps for the Patriots offense. J.J. Taylor is not going to be able to give you 43% of the snaps. And then you also don't have Rex Burkhead here right now any either anymore so where how if they take 43 percent of the snaps away of james white burkhead played a pretty good amount of the snaps as well and he was one of those guys that could catch the ball out of the backfield certainly but who who put jj taylor is not going to be able to pick up all that slack by himself and ramondre stevenson's not really that type of running back right he's he's your early down power back so if you're gonna who's gonna be the the receiving back, the scat back, whatever you want to call it. If James White's not here, you're not giving all of that work to J.J. Taylor. Maybe Brandon Bolden can do some of the things that Rex Burkhead did, but I I just – I don't see how they are going to go from Mr. Reliable and James White – to JJ Taylor playing forty percent of the snaps. No, it wouldn't be. It would be. It would be more committee with Harris getting about fifty percent and the rest being split between uh, Sony and uh, I, I just don't know. Between I guess Sony I, and JJ I I and then Ramondre. I don't yeah. trust J.J. Taylor yet to put him on third down in the passing I game. don't think it's going to happen so. either. I think it's very clear that White's now, still going to be Tony getting here. created is a different, a different discussion. Yeah. 
because that I mean that really comes down to whether or not they believe enough in Ramondre Stevenson to to do that type of deal. They obviously love Damian Harris a whole lot for good reason. Sony looks great, and that could actually help his trade value a little bit, right? Because all these other teams are watching the same tape and they see that he looks spry, he looks quick out of the backfield, he looks faster as a receiver, better with the ball in his hands after the catch, can be a little bit more effective in that type of uh, way. I wouldn't really say the Rams are much of a schematic fit, but they desperately need bodies at that spot so maybe they just take the body they really need you know they're an outside zone team so they need track stars back there right not not guys that are plotters they need guys that can really fly but at the same time maybe they just need the body right and to me sony is the guy that could potentially get moved if you want to talk about surprise cuts and want to get you you like Taylor and Stevenson enough that you don't want to waive those guys. You can't really carry six because no, now it's the, getting egregious. Yeah, one of the you you know Stevenson's going to come up with some sort of injury and he's going to be a medical red shirt. And it, it's trending right. that way. That's just what they do, and and, and it makes perfect sense that you know he's going to be an he's going to be an IR stash for the year. You would think um, white sticks. I just think it would be a shame to finally have unlocked this version of Sony and and not use it because um, this is closer. It looks closer to the guy you thought you drafted who did more than just ran between the tackles. Uh, he's lighter on his feet. He's catching yeah. the ball out of the backfield. And he's much harder to bring down than a James White, you know, uh, out in that open field. Again, White at his best, um, it's still no contest for all that he can do and how much they relied on him or how much break. But, again, I just don't know going forward if – you finally got a version of Sony that you want. It's a shame to just kind of toss him aside for what's probably going to be I, I don't a, think... six, a sixth round pick or something if you do trade Look, him. It, something weird always happens with Patriots, the 53-man roster, and maybe the running back position is where the weird thing happens. It's obviously yeah. possible. But just based off of everything that we've seen in camp, everything that we've seen in the preseason games, Damon Harris and Sony Michelle, I think, are two guys that they plan on work using a lot this season, a lot. Yeah. And Ramondre Stevenson was drafted to replace Sony Michelle next year, right? He's Sony's yep. yep. on the last year of his contract. Next year is Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris in the backfield. But for this year, for right now, I really do think that Damian Harris and Sony Michelle are gonna are gonna play a ton and get a ton of carries. Okay. Um, so the, uh, you know, we wanted to hit again briefly on this was a real bummer because you didn't get to see, um, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, any first, you know, yeah. uh, running that Joe first Paco team. Practiced pretty well, though. Not going to lie. Yeah. Joe Paco yeah. looked pretty good on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you got Flacco. You did get some of their top receivers. And again, it's actually a question whether Rieger's fallen off of that depth chart into more of the three receiver there. But you certainly have, you got to see Devonta, who I know you were, you were really digging during the oh, game there. Uh, you know, uh, he's, yeah, he, he, he's, he's fun to watch. Uh, but yeah. uh, let's just talk about, so again, it's hard to judge the Patriots defense fully because they were running against half of their ones and then not for too long. But uh, certainly, uh, someone like Judon really pops again off the off the screen uh, as a guy who you really feel like okay, Pat's got something here. Anything else on the defensive side of the ball that you wanted to hit on? Juwan Williams. Juwan Williams, Williams hanging in there right on the outside. You know, we've all been talking about Nikhil Harry so much, and rightfully so. He's the buzzy topic. He's the guy that. He, makes a trade request, comes into practice, has a good camp to start. But Jawan Williams held his own against Devontae Smith on the outside. And when he's out on the boundary and he's able to track guys outside, he plays a lot better. And he looked pretty good in the joint practices as well. He's really started to come on a little bit. I think last week kind of falling on the sword for the Patriots for the fact that they didn't have CB depth really won over the coaching staff. The fact that he was willing to play and played hard late into the preseason game when he really shouldn't have been out there on the final plays of that game against Washington. That certainly won the coaching staff over enough to start to give him more looks with the starting defense. And out there tonight, I'll have to go back and really watch the tape and hopefully I can get some defense tape um, for the Patriots to all 22 because I'm really, I want to see what Juwan looks like because if that, we have been talking about this, John, since the draft, the fact that the Patriots didn't draft 
an outside cornerback, and they were going to go into the season with Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson both on the final year of their deals with Gilmore unhappy and not truly having anybody behind them that could hang, right? And we were very, very concerned. And then the Patriots come into minicamp, and they come into training camp, and they play Jalen Mills out there, and Mills gets exposed killed out i mean christian wilkinson is running by jalen mills playing outside corner you're really concerned about that if Jawan williams is actually turning a corner and the light is actually coming on for him to the point where he's a legit cb3 option on the outside behind gilmore and jackson then that is a huge huge hole that the patriots have filled and yeah. maybe maybe He's on the trajectory to actually being a number two corner behind JC next year, behind Gilmore next year, whichever one of those two guys they end up picking. If that is the way that this is going for Jawan Williams, then that's a huge development for the Patriots, not just this year, but beyond, because they have to replace the snaps from Jason McCourty. They have to do, uh, they have to find a guy that's depth outside of Stefan Gilmore and JC Jackson. And if that's Jawan, then great. They they really need that guy to step up, and maybe he finally has. Moreover, I mean, uh, you know, not just based off of team need, but everyone everyone's so quick to kill the Patriots on their uh, talent assessment when it comes to receivers. But you can't do worse than they've done trying to pick cornerbacks and D-backs, particularly in the second round of drafts over the last several years and the amount of busts with Dawson and Cy Jones and obviously going back right. to Jordan Richards. So, you know, Jawan was trending in that direction uh, in – you know, you would hate to see it because you're investing legitimate draft capital into a position that they clearly are different than the receiver position. It's one that Bill clearly places a premium on and knows he needs bodies there. And they keep going and trying to get bodies. Uh, and, you know, you just can't have one after the other wash out. So Williams, they couldn't find roles. They're playing him at safety sometimes last year. Having him be a, be an outside corner who can play there. Uh, opposite whoever your number one is or there for depth would be a huge, uh, huge development. Yeah, Dowling's way back. Someone's throwing yeah. Razai Dowling into that. Yeah. I, I was try- I'm trying to keep it to semi-recent memory, you know. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see with, with Juwan and, and the way that the Patriots are approach the cornerback position moving forward because the reason why Belichick has spent on corners like Stephon Gilmore, Darrell Revis in the past is because the rest of the league is paying pass rushers. Yeah. And so the corners were a premium value. Exactly. Now corners are starting to creep up in that $20 million a year range, Jalen Ramsey money, uh, that Xavier Howard, what he's going to get once they kind of really rework that deal. And maybe the the market goes back towards defensive linemen being Which it might. Right. So, yeah. And maybe Belichick goes back to paying, you know, he goes and pays an edge rusher instead. I don't know. Right. He paid Judon all this money. That to me, yes, they needed to fill that spot. Yes, they needed a guy like Judon. And Judon has been fantastic. And another guy I wanted to bring up just tonight. The the fumble, the strip sack aside, because good for him. He's Johnny on the spot. He, he made Joe Flacco fumble again. Good, good play, good heady play. But the pressure that he applied on Joe Flacco on that third down play to rush within – this is what I talked about so much with Judon, and, and this was a perfect example of it, is – it's not just one-on-one pass rushing with him. He's a very good team pass rusher as well. So they ran a three-man stunt there, and he wrapped around the penetration from Montrevious Adams and Josh Uche and was able to put the pressure on Joe Flacco. And he understands how to operate in those types of schemes because he did it a bunch in Baltimore, and now he's going to do it a bunch with the Patriots. Just everything that Bill Belichick wants out of an outside linebacker, rushing the passer, setting the edge, dropping in coverage, Judon does it all well. He does all those things well. And that's why I keep on saying that he's a home run signing because he just plays exactly the position exactly the way that Bill Belichick draws it up in a lab. So it's really fantastic to see them get him in here and have it work out as well as it has because he's going to be a big-time player in the front seven for the Patriots for multiple seasons. I think he's going to be a great signing for the entire contract that he signed with the Patriots. Yeah, and and so that's, you know, you know, you need to see that you've got both both tight ends currently on the shelf. We haven't right. seen haven't seen a lot of Aguilar. You really want to see some of this free agent money, um, you know, start to start to show a little bit. Uh, and Judon is the right now the, the the one who's the one who absolutely uh, is uh, is 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 opening eyes with his play. There, there, it reminds me a little bit of Willie McGinnis. 
a little bit of Willie. Willie yeah. was played that elephant role with the Patriots defense, yeah. strong side, edge linebacker. Yeah. You know, a little so bit of Willie. Put his hand in the dirt. You know, right? I, I, I don't know if he's. We'll see. We'll see if he's at, as good. But a yeah. little bit of Willie. Yeah. Um, fair enough. So that's uh, we're going to wrap it with uh, again Patriots uh, uh, thirty-five nothing. If you haven't already, uh, check out uh, head right to the website. Check out Evan Lazar's uh, article going in depth on uh, some of the stuff uh, he liked from tonight's game, and he'll have more stuff coming out. Uh, you know, uh, you know, later in the evening into tomorrow, uh, Patriots are going to pick up uh, practices, and then they've got joint practices with the Giants next week. Another. Uh, that's the home game, right? Giants are home. No, so Giants are in New York, but they're practicing. Oh, they're practicing here. here, playing in New York. Okay, yeah. So we'll be covering. Uh, Evan will be covering all of those. It's fun to see them go up against another team uh, as well. So we'll see how that goes. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our uh, YouTube channels here. Uh, you know, Patriots one and our main channel. Uh, Evan and Alex, I'm sure, are going to go live possibly tomorrow to break this down for Patriots Definitely week. Correct? Tomorrow, yes. Yep. So you'll get you'll get uh, the you'll get the band back together, Evan and Alex. They'll give you their take after they've had a chance to dissect things a little bit more deeply. Uh, any Celtics fans out there, head over and follow us, Celtics CLNS, and the Celtics uh, YouTube channel, uh, all access uh, for all of your Celtics needs. And that's basically all I got, Evan. I think uh, anything else you want, we didn't mention you wanted before you. I, I, the one thing I want to hate to end on a down note: Devin Asiase all <laughs> had his shot tonight, the shot of all shots as the only tight end of the team. And my God, how many zero tight end formations did they end up playing? <laughs> you know, it's like ah, forget it. We just uh, won't do. We won't do tight end. You know. You know, you're seeing them in like 20 personnel, and then the one chance he has to uh, to to make a play, a drop, dead drop. You know, uh, on the goal line there with the uh, you know for for it's a touchdown. Tough. It's tough finishing through contact is a problem for Devin Asiasi. Whenever there's a guy, look, he's a he's a tight end. He's not gonna have loads and loads of separation, right? I, I talked about this on. So you got to catch when there's people all right. over you. That's right. Like, that's- there's only a few tight ends in the league that create separation consistently. Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George sure. Kittle, the the all pros, right? The the great the great of the greats. Even Gronk at this stage of his career wears coverage, right? And he just battles through the 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 contact. If you're most 99% of tight ends in the NFL are have people draped all over them all the time, but they're these big body dudes, they have huge frames, they're strong at the catch point and they're able to box out and keep guys off of them. Devin Asiasi's got to learn to play through contact if he's going to make it in this league. He can block a little bit. He can run routes and get enough open in with the route running to be able to get get those targets. But if he can't finish through contact and finish at the catch point, then I don't know if he's going to stick as an NFL tight end. Which is a bummer uh, because, again, now Keen is lost for the year, and it's crazy to think that, I mean, that w- less than one year in or a year in, two total whiffs uh at that it was a weird it was always weird i I like the austin pick but it was there were better players on the board uh it was just a terrible tight end draft it was it was a bad tight end draft and they still took terrible sixth and seventh best tight ends it's a, it was a terrible tight end draft, and they took two tight ends in a bad tight end draft, traded up for one of them, and it was a head-scratcher then, and then they have to come back and double down with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. So they end up taking two third-round picks plus the trade uh, assets that they traded for Dalton Keene and then paying Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. So now you have two top 100 picks or one-on-one picks. Dalton Keene was one-on-one, and then two – 12 plus million dollar a year tight ends all at the same position. And it's not exactly like that's wide receiver or, or, or linebacker or, or corner where you, you're going to play three or four of them in a game. You're only going to play one or two of them. And now you have all this sunken costs in that position. So really Belichick shot himself in the foot on that one. And now I think he's got to wear it. Right. You know, just, it. 
second right. cost. Just, yep. just eat it with the two rook, uh, 2020 draft picks. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Yanni Kajus really quick in the chat. I do want to watch the uh, game back before I con- – it's really tough live watching to really dissect the line play. You got to go back and, and break each play down. But he did look decent in space on that one crack toss. I do think that there's some ability there. And I talked about that on the show on Wednesday too with Alex and said if there's one lineman that I would like to see them hang on to as the eighth guy – it would be Kajus because his upside is third tackle, potentially starter level based off the college tape. And yep, it's been yep. so long since he's played football that if he can ramp it back up and get back to where he was at West Virginia, I think he's going to be a, a good football player in the NFL. So I would keep him as the eighth offensive lineman right now as sort of a project, right? And just see where that goes with him. You don't have to play him right away. You have Wynn and Trent Brown and on Wenu and, and Haran to play this year. And that's really more just a guy that's going to be a, a developmental piece for them moving forward yep okay so i think we've covered it all we'll wrap it tonight uh like i said evan and alex will be back tomorrow so look for notifications there uh you follow evan on twitter easy lazar or uh, patriots clns we'll let you guys know uh you know what time that's going to be but you know sometime in the afternoon i'm sure uh and that's gonna wrap it up thanks for watching patriots post game we'll do this after every game we're back next week with the giants is that a thursday or a friday that's actually a Sunday game. Oh, my goodness. They got a yeah. long week. Yeah, a long week. Yes. Typical week, basically. Oh, that's good for us. We get some we get some extra time. Yes. There you yeah. go. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Evan. Thank you guys for hanging out and watching. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Beat, on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLS Media Network.